Hey podcast, the craziness of the anniversary episode is behind us. Thank God for that. It's Monday morning, the start of a new week, a wonderful new opportunity to be better. And I thought I'd start this episode with a little bit of gratitude for some of the amazing feedback the Speed Mentor podcast has had. The five star reviews have been flooding in and here are just a couple that I'd like to share with you. The first one's from a guy called Callum Doherty. Grateful for this tool which I use to make a difference to my daily habits that I repeat consistently and I have had recent tangible results. Not one have made me a penny yet. Fuck, (laughs) I'm sorry about that, Callum. But that will come. Well, thank God for that. (laughs) You clarified that, Callum. When my successes get to a certain point. Anyway, thanks, Gavin. Loving your content. Thanks very much, Callum. Glad to be of assistance to you. Next one comes from Chris McGee, who's a a local entrepreneur here in, in Belfast. As an entrepreneur trying to grow, scale and systemize a business, this podcast has been fantastic. As a daily reminder, I'm on the right track. I'm glad to hear that Gavin has been there and done it and I can really take on board his advice. Amazing stuff. I'm very grateful uh, that you've sent me that message, sent me that review, Chris, and I hope you crack on and have amazing success in the future. Now, keep them coming, folks. It helps me to sharpen the blade of my sword as I chop my way through the jungle, clearing a path for those looking to discover the rare ingredients that make up the secret sauce as they come in behind me. This is episode 51 of the Speed Mentor podcast. I'm just one guy called Gavin Wall, a former successful barrister who had a feeling that he was destined to be more and had the temerity, perhaps even the stuttering here, stupidity to listen to that feeling and follow his dream to be an entrepreneur and to make a difference to the world. But I know I'm not the only one who has a feeling like that. I've had a lot of messages recently from a number of you in the corporate world who have had the exact same feeling. That yearning, that calling, that desire, that belief, that gut instinct, that that hunger, that question, can I, should I, could I? The answer, of course, is yes. But you've got to believe in yourself and you've got to do the things that I mentor you to do in this podcast each and every single working day. So, what about this episode? Am I going to get cracking with it or not? Funnily enough, it's about failure again. Uh, we did one about failure, I think, last week as well. But it's a very specific element of failure. One which I think gets far too little attention. I want you to think about failure even deeper than poor people normally think about it. And maybe you actually think about it. We all know the usual thing we hear from every self-appointed guru out there who'll tell you that there's no such thing as failure and it's just a learning Look, that's no case soundbite, but what does it actually mean in practice? And do the people who say it really understand what they're saying? And whether they do or they don't, can we create a process or a structure around failure to ensure that it becomes a real and genuine learning process rather than the end of a dream or an aspiration? For me, when we're thinking about creating an environment where failure can become a learning process very quickly, rather than a full stop, it's really important to think about how you fail so that the failure doesn't define you in the long term. Look, this is something you don't hear many talk about. For me, when you fail, you must fail with dignity and integrity if you are to recover in the longer term and learn the lessons quickly. 
Now I'm going to give you a couple of examples of how this plays out in practice when you get it right. Because the true tell of what a person is made of is not what they're like when they're winning. As it's easy to talk the talk when you're winning, the true test of someone's chops is how they conduct themselves when they're losing. Now, does that make sense to you? It's easy when you're winning. It's not so easy when you're losing. If it makes sense, then why is it that I see so many scorched earth policies applied every time somebody loses? The short-termism when you're losing, the narrow thought patterns, the I'm going to rob this enterprise blind on the way down mindset and fuck the banks, fuck the suppliers, fuck the staff, fuck whomever gets in the way when I'm wiped out in this process because my ship is sinking and I'm going to bring down every one of these motherfuckers with me. That's the fucking attitude that I see all the time. The woe is me attitude. This is really prevalent and it's why so few people ever learn from their mistakes. They can't see past the immediacy of the failure and they react in the moment rather than respond to the events once they've considered and thought it all through. Before I delve into this, I delve into this stuff, business failure and loss is an inevitable outcome in any capitalist or market-based economy. I've been on the receiving end of when others have failed and others have been on the receiving end when I have failed. If you're listening to this and you've been in business in any significant way, you will have seen this um, when it's happened to others or maybe even gone through it yourself. Now, here are two examples of, of what I mean, and I'll show you how they play out when you apply probity and integrity, even in, especially in the tough spots, rather than react um, and do things the wrong way. Like when I finally lost everything, it was actually eight years ago when everything was handed back to the banks. But I facilitated all the banks around the handback of 50 properties, around the handback of four development sites, of my handing back my own home. And when I handed back my own home, incidentally, I didn't have to hand back uh, our home as our first child was born. So we were entitled to stay there until she was 18. And in fact, we had actually a tracker mortgage, which was half a percent over base. So we couldn't even have rented a property for less money than it was to have this beautiful five-bedroom house in the best part of town with large driveways and gardens and all the rest of it. And we then went to live in my sister-in-law's back bedroom for five years. Okay, so that was the type of thing I was doing. Not with a smile on my face, but with not a desire to wreck everybody else around me. But during the handback process, no rents were held back, no skullduggery was engaged in to frustrate our creditors, no other person was shouted at or abused, no one else was blamed. The only thing we did, which was in any way controversial, was that Helen and I went out for our last meal together. It was like a last supper, the night before we pulled the trigger and ended our period of being fully paid up on our mortgages and our loans and every facility. And we spent a paltry 70 quid on our last supper on a credit card and then started the conversation with the banks the next day. Now, I must say, I subsequently donated 70 quid to charity some years later to cover off that little bit of guilt I had in my mind that I'd spent 70 quid on a credit card when I sort of knew the next day that we were about to start to pull the pin. So, cleared my conscience on that one. And other than that, my hands are totally and squeaky clean. However, there were lots of other people in and around me in similar circumstances who were stealing rent money, frustrating banks, treating business partners such as me with other contempt, making sure they took everyone down with them just out of spite. Now, if you compare what happened to me after that period and what happened to them, 
it's very telling the difference in the conduct, what it led to. Led to ultimately, now I suffered short-term class cash flow issues issues because I didn't siphon off funds, didn't steal rents, but my reputation remained intact, and I was probably the first person rebanked in Northern Ireland after the crash, and I was rebanked by the banks within two years of losing absolutely everything, and I was then able to buy back into the market when asset values were low, when they were rock bottom, and I've benefited hugely from compound growth of those asset classes. Whereas those who showed their true colours in the tough times, who were accepting zero responsibility for their mess, seeking out short-term wins, were siphoning off funds and rents, destroying business partners for spite, making the lives of the banks misery, many of them still have their heads buried under their pillows, still half drunk because they never accepted their failures and they never owned their own um, or took their own responsibility for them. Now, don't get me wrong, some banks, maybe all the banks, acted irresponsibly. But let's be honest, we played the game too, for fuck's sake. In fact, it was only another couple. I'm just going. I'm just going forward again now. It was only another couple of years later that the first bank to pull the pin on me, which was actually Ulster Bank, which is RBS in GB terms, was on the phone wanting to back me to reach my project of hashtag twenty eight stores by twenty twenty four. So I was back in play incredibly quickly because of the way I handled myself. So never forget the way you deal with failure and how you conduct yourself is a powerful indicator to future business partners, future lenders, future corporate partners, future suppliers about how you will conduct yourself the next time that there are any problems. Now, here's another one of my failures. Yogi Berry, which I've mentioned before on the podcast, which was a frozen yogurt and ice cream chain which failed. Uh, And as the failure happened, I had uh, three or four concerns as I was hemorrhaging money. Now, number one of them wasn't actually the money. Uh, and you'll see that in a minute. Now, number one was what was the reputational damage to me? Number two was what was the deficit to the local area if the business closes? Number three was what's the position in relation to the staff? And number four was what about the landlord and the suppliers? Now, the business was in a limited company, so I was protected by the co- I personally was protected by the corporate field. And what often happens in these situations is that the business owner starts to rack up debts with suppliers fall behind with the rent, stop paying the DDs to the finance companies, all the while taking cash from customers and leaving a shit fest behind him or her. Now, I appreciate that sometimes it's not possible to make clean breaks, but how you conduct yourself at these times will determine your future outcomes. Your reputation should be important to you, just as mine is to me. We lost 600000 um, on that business and could have wound it up almost a year earlier, but I wanted to protect the area of North Belfast, which I'm passionate about, as this is the only sit-in dessert and coffee place in North Belfast, uh, where all of our businesses actually are, and I strive to do as much as humanly possible to create jobs and community facilities there, because the area has been so badly failed by government over the years through lack, chronic lack of investment. Now, this may sound foolish, in a pure short-term business calculation, and there are probably lots of entrepreneurs out there shouting at their devices that I was a fool. But we lost probably the thick end of an extra £100,000 because we offered enhanced redundancy. We worked really hard to find someone to take on the business and then take over the lease. This took months, during which time we were losing money. We worked hard with the very fair landlord to find a solution. Ultimately, 
standing over the terms of the lease herself, um, as the new occupant didn't have a trading history. Um, we helped the new tenant to get started. We took on a whole load of extra pain that the corporate fail protected us from and that we could have folded the company into. Now, it was very, very painful short term. Other business owners in my industry asked me, how do I get out of bed in the morning waking up to so much shite and mess like that? But I know that you win some and you lose some. And I know that reputation is everything to me and it should be to you you also if you want to have long-term success. Because I made all that extra effort and took on that cost to protect others, I was able to do a post on LinkedIn which got loads and loads of traction around the protection of jobs, the protection of suppliers, the protection of the landlord and the protection of the area. And I have no doubt that the additional loss that the Wall Group took in the short term will come back to us with interest. So take some time today to think about how you handle your failures because we're all going to have them. Do you have the right mindset so you don't react and go with a short-term mindset for short-term financial win and lose in the long term as others expect to be on the receiving end of you the next time that you fail? Just think about the person seeking to come back from a loss who's able to say, I looked after everyone else on my way down rather than just thinking about myself. Now back me this time. Please support me. I'll always act with the same sort of probity as I did last time. But that's a powerful fucking message to people, folks. Do not underestimate the power of that narrative. So if you want to rise again from failure and make failure just a comma rather than a full stop, do the right thing to others on the way down and give yourself a chance to be backed in the future. That's it for another episode of the Speed Mentor Podcast. Let's hope your failures are small, but always do the right thing. Ask yourself, hashtag what would Gavin do, and you'll have the right answer. Please don't forget to subscribe and review this podcast on whichever platform you listen, as the reviews and subscriptions are so, so important to me. Please don't also forget that the Speed Mentor Retreat is only five days away. There's just one place left on the Speed Mentor Retreat. So you'll need to stop prefaricating and do something to make the change. If you think the podcast is good for you, wait till you see what rocking up to me in the flesh will do for your life. Hit me up and let's get you booked on. You know what to do. No one else is going to do any of this stuff for you. It's your choice.